Uh, today we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6. And uh, so if you have your Bible and you want to look there, this is a great one. It's real easy to find. First book in the Bible. So Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6. And you might have noticed that today we are starting a new series of messages. Now, the last couple months we went through a bucket list. And this, uh, this month, the month of August, we're going to go through a series uh, just entitled Get Real. And, and the reason why is, is this. I believe we are, we are in, a t- in a time right now where it's going to be really good for us. So let's just be real honest and let's take a look at the way things are and let's, let's address the issues of life that we're dealing with instead of trying to hide from everything. Now, the idea for Get Real is we're basically taking some, you know, that we're going to be playing off of reality series. And today, some of you might have been a little bit nervous. We're playing off of uh, Naked and Afraid today. All right, so what does that all mean? Nothing. We just thought it was a great title. Uh, no, that Naked and Afraid, the idea there is if you've ever seen the show, uh, don't worry, I will never be on this show. But uh, the show idea is that you get like a man and a woman, they don't know each other, put them in a harsh environment. They don't have clothes, they give them a couple of tools, and it's like, good luck, hope you survive. Now, the, the goal is to try to survive for 21 days. Now, to be honest with you, and they, they, sometimes they have to make equipment. I wish they would make more clothes, but that's, that's the whole goal of the game. This show's been on TV for five years. I didn't know that. It's on Discovery Channel, but, but y'all, I want you to, this show's been around longer than that. Matter of, fact, matter of fact, the very first instance of Naked and Afraid took place in Genesis chapter 3, which I just thought was really interesting. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 10, listen to what Adam says to God. He said, God, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. So what is the point of today and naked and afraid? Well, today's passage of scripture, what it's going to do is it's going to outline for us how Adam and Eve their relationship with God ended up being fractured. It ended up being broken. And so what happened is because they stepped outside of God's bounds and God's direction for their lives, they ended up being naked and afraid. They ended up falling for the lies of this world, not understanding that there are consequences that come when we stray outside of God's directives. And the same thing is still true today. Y'all, whenever we move outside of God's leadership and his directives, it leaves us very vulnerable. And so that's why we're going to look in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6 in just a few moments. But I don't think the background of this text is going to be that too surprising for you. Uh, This is the very beginning of the Bible. Just in the last couple of chapters, what God did is God created people. He created Adam and Eve. And if you look and see what God made for them... I mean, it's really incredible. God provided them a perfect environment in which to live. Uh, they, you know, they had food to eat. They had shelter. They had everything that you could want. I mean, it was a great place. And yet, because Adam and Eve were people, it's interesting. While they had everything, they wanted just a little bit more. They weren't satisfied. And God had told them there was one tree that they couldn't mess with in the garden but they went after it anyway, and the result of all that is they ended up being naked and afraid. And and it's my hope as we look at this passage of Scripture that we will gain some wisdom to understand that what the world offers us is far less than what God offers us. 
And we're just going to take a look today at a few things that the world sells. And y'all, I promise you, what the world sells, it, it ain't worth buying. So what is it that the world sells us? And it starts off in the book of Genesis. Even back then, what the world, what the world would sell was not very good. And the very first thing we see with that the world sells is it sells us a setup. In other words, it, it sells us a bill of goods that's really it's just not worth it. It's a false bill of goods. In verse number 6, here's what it says. Then the woman, this is Eve, she saw that the tree was good for food, and it was delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now God had provided, at this point, he'd, he'd given Adam and Eve everything that they could ever want. They had food, they had shelter, they had company with each other. Uh, not only that, God said, I'm putting you here on this earth, and you guys, you're going to rule this place. You're going to be in charge. In Genesis 1.28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Now, I look at that passage of Scripture and all that leads up to it, and it's real hard for me to say, you know, God gave Adam and Eve the short end of the stick. I mean, they were living in a place of perfection. God had provided everything for them. And he said, but there's only one thing I don't want you to mess with. I don't want you to mess with the tree of knowledge. So what happened? Well, the devil comes onto the scene, and he does a real good job of saying, I know God's given you everything, but there's one thing that you really need. And it's the one thing that God said you can't have. And so he began to work and to tempt and to lure them away from what God had provided to say, I know he's given you everything, but I want you to give all that up to go for this one thing. And he told them, he said, it's going to give you wisdom, it's going to open your eyes, you're going to be like God. And, and what happened? Instead of trusting what God had provided, they decided maybe God is holding out on us. You know, that, the, the same thing it still happens today. It's not just with the tree of knowledge. I mean, today there are things that we know all through our lives that God has said, there are certain areas that I don't want you to wander into, that I don't want you to stray into, because those things are not for you. They're not good for you. But what I provided you is enough. And I, I, some of the things I think of when, you're, when, when, when we're younger and even some, when we get older, there are times when we, we see God says, listen, I want you to only have a physical relationship, sexual relationships in the bounds of marriage. Don't go outside of that. And we look at that and we think, well, gosh, I mean, I should be able to do what I want to do. The world promotes it. It looks good. It looks like it's a lot of fun. But then the Bible tells us we're supposed to honor God with our bodies. And we think, well, the Lord's trying to cheat me here. He doesn't want me to have fun, and so we feel like that we're missing out. And yeah, I, I, that's just the work of the devil. You know, the devil is, is cunning. He's clever. He's smart because he wants to lure us away from God in order to destroy us. Jesus spoke about the personality of Satan in John 8, 44. It says he was a murderer. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. And has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and he is the father of liars. 
Whenever anyone or anything is telling you to abandon the things of God, know that is something that comes from the devil. And he's a liar. And he doesn't want the best for you. Now God had told Adam and Eve, said, stay away from this tree. And then the devil comes along, and it's real interesting to look and see how he begins to entice Eve. He doesn't tell Eve, hey, just run up there and grab, grab that fruit and take a bite out of it. He doesn't do that. He says, look at it. And it says when she looked at it, she saw that it was delightful. You know, she, she takes hold of it. Now, she's not, she's not shoving it in her mouth. She's just looking at you because she's not messed up yet. She's just sort of looking at it. You know, the, the devil will do that to us. He will entice us, say, hey, you don't have to jump in right now. Just take a look at how good it looks. And you know, the longer you begin to look and flirt with the things that are not from God, it's not going to be long until you give in to those things. You know, how, you know what the best policy is when it comes to sin and how to handle it? Don't flirt with it. If you don't flirt with it, you're not going to give in to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's, a, there's a plant in Australia, it's called the sundew plant. And I just think it's kind of a fascinating plant. It's, it's got real bright colored flowers on it, it's pretty. Um, and, and the leaves on it, it's got like dew drops on it, it's what we call it sundew. It's got these drops on it, it looks real, real inviting. And so there will be bugs that will fly in, or I don't know what you call it, like bees and stuff that will come in to pollinate it. And because it looks real enticing, they'll come and land on that plant. When they land on the leaves, those little dew drops are actually not dew drops. They're a very sticky substance. And so whenever the, the bug will land on it, it gets stuck in those, that, that stuff that looks so good and they can't get out. And as they begin to move, it causes the plant to vibrate, which becomes a signal for that leaf to enclose around that, that little bug. And then it begins to suck the life out of that bug and it will eat it. It's pretty cool. But you know, that's that's what sin does. Sin is it's a brightly colored flower. It looks so good and enticing. Guys, when we land on it, we start messing with it, we can't get away from it. And then it begins to close around us and it will suck the life out of us. That is what the world sells us. What it sold Adam and Eve. So it's a, a false bill of goods. It's a setup. The devil makes it look so good, but he's setting us up for destruction. But another th other thing I want us to notice about what the world sells is this. What it sells is going to end up leaving us exposed. If, if you buy into what the world sells, it will leave you exposed like it did Adam and Eve. And you see this in verse number 7. It says, after they ate of the tree they weren't supposed to eat from, it says, and the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Then the man and his wife... Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so the Lord God called out to them and said to them, Where are you? And Adam said, I, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. Then God asked him, he said, well, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man replied, The woman you gave me to be with, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate. And so the Lord asked the woman, well, what is it you've done? And the woman said, well, it was a serpent. He deceived me, and I ate. Okay, so they do exactly what God tells them not to do. And, and so what happens? The devil says it will give you wisdom. You'll become like God. They eat, and you know what, they, what, what happens to them? Their eyes are open, and they begin to realize they are naked. Now, that's weird. I'm thinking, did they not know that before? Now, but it's, it's speaking more than just what their physical condition 
It says they ate and they realized they were naked. Here's what, I really believe this. They realized for the first time in their lives they were exposed and vulnerable. Because they had moved outside of the protection and the directives of God. And for the first time they began to look around and think, man, without God we're in trouble. They opened up their eyes and they began to realize they were exposed to the things of this world. And they sold it all. They gave it all up for a bite of a piece of fruit that they did not need. And I look at them and I think, they are so stupid. And then I look at my own life and I go, and so am I. I've done that so many times. When I know that there are things that God has said, do not go into this area, and I'll go, I'm going into that area anyway. Because it looks fun, it looks good, I don't like anybody telling me what to do anyway. And I'm going to do it. You ever done that before? Where you just simply ignore everything and you go after something because it just looks good. Guys, if it didn't look good, and I'll tell you something. Sin, if, if, we step out, if you step outside of God's bounds at the beginning, it is fun. Let's just be real honest about it. If it was not fun, we would not be tempted by it. The problem is, is it doesn't last. It's like cotton candy. You buy it into your mouth. It's good, and then it, gets, it shrinks in your mouth. It's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And then it ends up leaving, but if you eat too much of it, man, it just absolutely wipes you out. It's awful. That's what sin is. It looks good at the beginning, but it's destructive. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. I'm sure when they ate the fruit, I'm sure they thought, man, this is great. It tastes good. It's sweet. But then after they put it down, they look around, they begin to realize, we have just made a big-time mistake. We are exposed. We're vulnerable. We're in a world by ourselves. And sin does that to us. In James 1, 14 and 15, it says, But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after, after a desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it says it gives birth to death. Luke 15 tells us that sin creates between us and God a chasm. It's like the Grand Canyon stays in between us and our relationship with God. For the first time, they realize, man, we've, we've messed up. We are separated from God. And so they try to fix the problem themselves. I think it's interesting. They, they, they realize they're naked. They realize they're separated from God. So we're going to fix the problem ourselves. So what do they do? Verse number seven, they make fig leaves. And they sew it into nice little cover-ups. As if that's going to solve the problem. Yeah, we do that. I've messed up. I won't try to cover, cover this over. and Nobody's going to ever know the difference. Adam and Eve, they, they try to cover up with fig leaves. And then God shows up. Adam, where are you? And for the, then they realize these fig leaves aren't going to work. And so you know what they do next? The blame game. It's my favorite, probably my favorite part of the story. It's kind of interesting. Adam, what, what have you done? What does Adam do? God, this woman that you made and that you gave, I didn't ask for. God, she made me do it. Blame game. Eve, what have you done? Eve uses the excuse... We, we still use today, the devil made me do it. So the serpent, he, he tricked me, he fooled me. God, it's not my fault. You know, that's what we do. Whenever we step outside of God's boundaries, we begin to try to make excuses to rationalize our behavior to make it seem like it's not my fault, but that it's okay. Let me give an example of this. I read an article in a magazine a few weeks ago that talked about there's a company I hate to give its name, but it's, it's called the Alibi Agency. 
It's an actual company. If, if, you, if, you, uh, you know, if you do something wrong, you get caught in a certain situation, and you want to have an alibi, you call this company and say, hey, listen, I was supposed to be at this place, but I wasn't. And they will make you fake receipts. They will make you uh, fake uh, airplane tickets so that you can say, hey, wait, we, we have a picture of you here. Well, I got, a, I got a receipt right here that says I was at this restaurant. Isn't that weird? It's an actual business. Now, a part of their selling point is they, they're like, we want to give every man and woman a peace of mind with their families. Um, what was scary is the first service were people on the phones looking it up. So y'all do not do that. But I just thought that was weird. And, you know, and, and some, I think sometimes we think, well, if I step outside the bounds, I can cover. Nobody's ever going to find out. You, know, that, you might be able to trick people. Guys, let me tell you something. You will never trick God. When we step outside of God's leadership and bounds for our lives, God is aware. Adam and Eve, they step outside. Isn't it, isn't it, I, it is no mistake that after they eat from this tree, that the next verse, God's showing up. He confronts them. That is exactly what God does. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, why did God confront them? And it's, it, it, God already knew what they had done. They knew what they'd done. But God confronted them because God wanted to move them to a point of confession and an admittance that they had sinned against him. Because until there is confession, there can be no healing. And so that's why God was moving them in this direction. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. But it begins with confession. But if we don't confess, then we are rejecting God's path. And it leaves us vulnerable and exposed. That's, that's what the world sells. It's a setup. What the world sells, it's going to leave us exposed. And that's the last thing I want you to see. Also, and that is this, that, that the world, what the world's going to sell us, it's going to end up leaving us cursed. And I see that in verse number 14. It says, And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you are cursed more than any livestock, more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And it says, And I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And he said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains and you will bear children in anguish. And your desire will be for your husband, yet he'll dominate you. And he said to Adam, because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it, the ground is cursed because of you. And you will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. And I'll produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field, and you'll eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it for your dust, and you will return to the dust." Now, y'all, I think sometimes we think, you know, that sin, that whenever we, you know, we, you know, we step outside of God's will, sometimes it's real easy to say, you know, you know boys are going to be boys. You know, I'm, he was, he, I'm, we're young right now, we're going to sow our wild oats. Now, that sounds good, but these six verses point out something to me very important. Sin brings a curse. It is not a game. Sin brings a curse. In our text, there is sin. Adam, Eve, and the devil were all three cursed because of their sin. What happened? Adam and Eve discovered 
that there became a curse of creation. You know, when sin came into the world, it affected the world order. Everything had been perfect and peaceful. They'd never known fear, anything like that. Sin comes into the world, and then God says, Adam, whenever you work now, it's going to be labor. It's going to be painful. So you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. There's going to be thistles and thorns now that are going to grow up out of the earth. You know why that happens? It's because of sin. It says sin is not, it's not a game. Sin, sin disturbs creation. I mean, look at Eve. God said because of sin, he said now whenever you have children, there's going to be pain. Mothers, when you have children, if you've had children, that pain you've experienced, started right here. God never intended for there to be pain. Not only that, it's, there's, there's separation from what God intended for us from the beginning. You know when God created man and woman, he intended for them to live forever? Forever. And then sin comes into the scene, onto the scene, and what happens? God says you're made out of dust, and you're going to return to dust. He said you're going to die. That's absolutely unbelievable. Sin is a curse. Don't, we don't play with sin. It destroys and, and God shows us from Genesis chapter 3. But here's what's interesting to me. Even as we see the curse of sin, we see the restorative nature of God all the way back in the very first book of Genesis. Say, so, well, where do you see that? We see it in this verse that's kind of weird to us. At least it is to me. In verse number 15, this is where we see the, the restorative nature of God. It says, I will put hostility between you and the woman. He says, because of sin, now the devil is going to come after man and woman to destroy them and the relationship with God. And it says, and he, the devil, will strike, excuse me, it says he will strike your head, and you, the, the devil, will strike his heel. Okay, what is that all about? This is actually, the, this has been by many commentators and scholars that said this is the first prophecy that we see of Jesus in all the Bible. See, we have sinned, and God says you are cursed, but there's a way out of the curse. What's the way out of the curse? Well, he says, well, listen, because sins come in, he said, what's going to happen is the devil is going to strike the heel of man. Now, the, 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 when it talks about man, it's talking about the son of man. That is the most common title used for Jesus. Okay, so it says he's going to strike his heel. What is that? The word strike in our text there, it means he's going to bruise the heel of man. Now, how was Jesus bruised? He was taken to the cross, he was whipped, he was beaten, and hung, and he died. Now that's more than a bruise to me, but it was a bruise because it was not totally destructive. Because three days later, what happened? Jesus got up. He took the best punch Satan had, and he got up. And then guess what happened next? Jesus says, my turn. And Jesus said, he's going to throw a punch. And if you look in verse number 15, here's what it says about Jesus. It says, and he will strike your head. Now, the word strike your heel, that word strike there, it means bruise. When it says he will strike your head, I love this. The word strike there, it means smash. How cool is that? Jesus said, you're going to bruise me? I'm going to smash your head. How did he do that? He conquered death. He destroyed sin. He made it possible for man to be restored to God. Sin carries a curse, but Jesus is bigger than the curse. Now the world sells a false bill of goods. 
it sells, it, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's going it's to sell you short. It's, gonna, it's going to curse you. It's going to leave you vulnerable and exposed if you buy into the things of this world. But Jesus says, you follow me, I'll give you life. John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life, have it more abundantly. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's Genesis 3.15. He said, I have come that you might have life. Now, I believe this. I believe there are many of us, I would say most, most people in the world are walking around naked and afraid. We are exposed. We've gone after the things of this world, and we begin to realize the older we get, the older you get, the more you realize, you know what? This stuff doesn't satisfy. The older you get, the more you begin to realize, I live and I have no hope for anything beyond this life because what the world offers is temporary and it doesn't fill you up but Jesus said I have come to give you life Jesus said I am the bread of life Jesus said he is the light in a world of darkness and my hope for you and for me is that we will not wander around in this life naked and afraid, but that we will open our eyes and see that what the world offers is destruction and death, and y'all, we see it every day on the news. But what he offers is restoration and life.